Hi, I'm Janet Deneef, founder and director of the Ubud Writers and Readers Festival. You're listening to a podcast which is part of our This Indonesian Moment series, recorded live at our 2018 festival. From language to art to religion, and as we approach the 2019 presidential election, speakers from across the archipelago and beyond ask, how is Indonesia's place in the world changing? Listen in and let the magic of our 15th year continue. Good morning. Raise up your voice. Good morning. Pagi, terima kasih, Bu. We will have a very good panel this morning, I assure you. Uh, on my right is uh, Saras Dewi. She is the epitome of the young Indonesian generation right now. Gorgeous, with brilliant mind, and most importantly, her heart is in the right place. She is one hell of opinionated young lady, well-educated, well-trained, and has the courage to say what she thinks is the correct thing to do right now. A poet, a lecturer. <clears throat> On my left side is the epitome of the old Indonesia. <laughs> but still, not, not, not the good and not the old and bad Indonesia, <laughs> but uh, he's one of the most prominent uh, Muslim thinkers in Indonesia who uh, throughout the uh, New Order regimes uh, kept his heart and his voice in the right place. And he also had his fair share of being marginalized by being stigmatized Sempat itu dosiah kan bang? And also the founder of the arguably the the, the largest uh, uh, Muslim books publisher in Indonesia, Mizan. So our two speakers uh, this morning has uh, uh, had underwent that important uh, milestone in our history that that Indonesian now. Uh, known as the Reformation era. So 20 years ago, uh, students, political activists, scholars, and common people united uh, to, to, to bring the demise of an autocratic regimes. And we, we paid a very heavy toll for, for, for that historical change. If you remember this, there was arsons, lootings, massive violence toward the, the, the Indonesian of Chinese descent, and the shootings of uh, student activists and, 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 yes, civilians. So today we will discuss how far this country has moved, uh, has advanced uh, after that, that difficult period. So I will go to Saras first. Saras was only a girl of, well, how old are you, were you at that time? 15 years, 15, six, 16. 16 years old. So where were you at that time, Saras? <laughs> <laughs> um, good morning, everybody. Um, hope you're having a great time in Ubud. Uh, first, I want to say hi to Pak Jun, 
he's my uncle actually. <laughs> and Pak Haidar, apa kabar? Selamat pagi. Um, um, I was 16 uh, during 1998. Uh, I was, it's, um, I'm torn about every time I'm telling this story because back then when I was 16 and joining, I was the high school student, I organized um, high school students to join forces with uh, university students and with other political activists during that time. Um, so it was a bittersweet, uh, it is a bittersweet memories because every time people ask about that, I would tell gladly um, how my friends were, some of my friends are, um, who passed away uh, uh, sacri sacrificing their lives um, that I learned so much from them, but also reflecting on 20 years later and what we've achieved or, or to be correct, uh, the, the absence or what don't we uh, achieve. That's, uh, that's always uh, making me a little bit sad. Uh, so, um, yeah, I was really young. I was really hopeful and I'm... I, I actually believe that if we sacrifice our lives, we, we were on the path of uh, bringing uh, Indonesia uh, towards a, a new place, uh, a new freedom. And we got freedom. We still, until now, I think we are making sense of that freedom. But of course, there were issues that we, were, we wanted to, uh, uh, we wanted to uh, uh, brought upon the public uh, for instance, justice, and we've seen how injustice uh, still uh, running rampant in Indonesia and those people who were um, suspects of the atrocities, the shootings that Om Jun, uh, Pak Jun said, the, the shootings that happened uh, 20 years ago, still the, the, the intellectual actors are still out there and um, still living freely. And for 20 years, that... Um, that still creates the uh, agony to my heart, yeah. So, uh, I recall that, that at that time, at a very specific day, we, we have a huge, it's on May 1998, we had a huge demonstration in, in Denpasar's, around 25,000 people gathered. And in the midst of this huge rally, my, um, uh, I, I was called by her fathers, June, she she's joined a demonstration in Jakarta, very dangerous things. Uh, uh, Yaya Saras is among the first senior high school students that opposed Suharto. It was such a big time at that time. Were you being detained, I think, at, yeah, I at was, certain point? Yeah, I was detained along with my friends and... Um, I was detained for one night because they couldn't incarcerate me with the laws provided that time because I was only a minor. So they had to release me, but I wanted to stay in jail because as a form of solidarity. But um, yeah, we, we walked out. We actually walked out from the court that time. And how did your mom respond to that? <laughs> well, <laughs> my... My mother and my father, we are very political. We are, I was raised in a very political family. Uh, oh, I mean, aware of the political situation. And my father is very different from my mother. When, when the police officer, uh, doing, doing quite well, he questioned me, 
he asked for my family phone number because I was still a minor. I said, uh, well, okay, you can just talk to my guardian, my legal guardian, this is my mother. And my mother just said, well, she belongs to be there because that's her choice. So I was raised to be like that. <laughs> well, if, if I remember correctly, that's not what your mother said. <laughs> <laughs> my father is a very different case. My, my father is uh, such a... <laughs> such a soft-hearted individual. So um, he was really worried, but my mom, um, she was, I said, when I, left that, when I left home a week earlier to organize the rally, I said to my principal, or I, uh, to my principal and to my mother, because my principal was, uh, she was a, such a great human being, uh, and my teachers also, I said, please give me some disp dispensations of time, please don't, Please don't, uh, uh, please don't be mad. Uh, I'm gonna go back to school after all of this finish. And yeah, I, I, I got, a, I got, um, I got supported by amazing individuals. Oh, she, she fulfilled her promise. Yeah, Went to good school, graduated, graduated top on her class, and now being a lecturer. But uh, to set the record straight, this is the perk of having moderating a panel where your niece is speaking. Her her mother actually said. Okay, officer, just lock her up. <laughs> she knew the consequences of, of her action. So uh, we'll, we'll get back to, to Saras Dewi uh, later on. Uh, now, I want to ask uh, Bang Haidar, where were you during that time, Bang? Yeah. Uh, being uh, chased down by that intelligence guys? <laughs> yeah, I was at that time, actually, the a uh, commercial director of one of the newspapers in Indonesia, Republika, but the old Republika, and I was also a member of the senior board of the newspaper, and Republika, although it has been founded by uh, the Muslim, in, uh, the Association of Muslim Intellectuals under the patronage of uh, uh, Habibi at that time, but Republika is known at that time among the, uh, among the people who are around President Suharto at that time as the unguided missile. Yeah, because it was actually planned to be a, a guided missile, but it turned out to be an unguided missile. We would publish articles to harshly criticize the government at that time. We, uh, at that time, uh, Prabowo, who, who is one of the two candidates of presidency in Indonesia, was met at the uh, newspaper. He called one of our journalists and uh, he did, uh, you know what? Uh, and then uh, it was quite a few times that the uh, editors and the chief editor were called by uh, the highest ranking officials uh, to be reprimanded. And uh, also we uh, published a series of articles about Budiman Sujatmiko and the other people who were uh, kidnapped at that time. And it really created an uproar among the uh, people around President Suharto at that time. I'm not claiming that I'm an important uh, element of the movement, but I was there. I wrote uh, regular columns in the newspaper as well. 
And apart from that, I was also the, uh, the what you call, pemimpin umum? I don't know. I don't find any English word for that because, uh, yeah, kind of CEO, but uh, 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 pemimpin umum is also in charge of the editorials, uh, apart from the business side of the, uh, of the uh, magazine at that time, a magazine, a, an Islamic magazine called Umat. At that time, we were the magazine who uh, put Amin Rais, but the old and much better Amin Rais, uh, to be uh, our uh, uh, man of the year. And Amin Rais at that time was like the most important uh, actor in the reformation at that time. And we put him as uh, 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 man of the year of our magazines. And then uh, I was following him here and there and also people who were with him to uh, plan things with regards to overthrowing the president at that time. But I'm not among the most important persons at that time. But then when President Suharto was delivering his speech to resign from his presidency, I was in the office of Muhammadiyah with Amir Rais and almost all the most important, uh, important persons that was in, uh, in the work of overthrowing the president at that time. And I remember at that time, and uh, thank God that my uh, suggestion was not accepted at that time. I really actually insisted that Amin Rais would not accept the assignment of Habibi to be the president uh, 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 succeeding President Suharto at that time. I don't know what will happen if Amin Rais accepted my suggestion and, and then the process uh, went on and it turned out that Pres Amin Rais uh, really was the President of Indonesia. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's all about my... Yeah. Pak Haidar, yeah. I mean... Um, how did it feel when, when Pak Harto resigned? I mean, we, we are in the student movement, although we, 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 we say we anti Suharto at that moment, uh, we deep in our heart, just, we are very pessimistic of, 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 will, uh, of seeing uh, his regime being toppled down. I mean, we, we pledge, uh, in Denpasar we pledge, if Suharto uh, fall down, we will have a huge party, we will slaughter three goods and make satay out of it. But in, in that morning, when Suharto resigned, we are just stunned and began to wonder, where did we get the money to buy that good? <laughs> we are, how did this feel? Yeah, I would not forget the feeling of that morning when we heard the uh, speech of President Suharto at that time, it was like a huge, humongous, heavy burden that has been there on our shoulder for many, many years. I remember I was a student uh, in ITB at that time. I was an activist in uh, Salma, Salman Mosque, uh, a mosque uh, in the vicinity of uh, Bandung Institute of Technology, very active, and at that time, uh, very open uh, 
mosque in Bandung, the first mosque built uh, within a university at that time. I was an activist there, and I was among the committee of uh, Ramadan activities at that time who would call people like Ali Sadikin to give a sermon in the mosque, which, is, which was very, very not normal at that time. I mean, uh, asking Ali Sadikin to give sermon before we did uh, Taraweh prayer, which is uh, uh, prayers at the evening of uh, each day of Ramadan at that time. We would call uh, those people who were at that time part of this movement called apa namanya petisi petisi apa berapa itu huh? petisi 50 ya yeah. uh, a movement called uh, petition of the 50 like most important people at that time i would call uh, with uh, my friends who were there as a committee of the uh, ramadan activities in salman mosque of those kind of people and i remember i was uh, called by the high court in bandung because of this activity of calling these people who are like among the staunchest uh, critics of President Suharto at that time. It was in, I think, even, uh, I think the beginning of the 80s at that time. I was also active in my department in ITB uh, in that activities called, uh, I'm old now, so I forget of words. Like 78 movement. Angkatan tu, yeah, the 78 movement of the students were very active at that time. I was there with them. So, although I'm not that important in this movement, I really felt that big, humongous, heavy burden put on my shoulder, actually, on most of the Indonesian people at that time by the very uh, authoritarian regime at that time. And I would not forget the feeling that I felt that morning when I uh, heard the speech of President Suharto uh, stating that he resigned from his presidency. Thank you, Bang Haidar. So the burden is be being lived up, and we are entering a new era at the time, the Reformation era, with a lot of hopes, uh, an, opti um, an optimistic view of life. Uh, this era has brought a lot of good things to Indonesia. Freedom of the press, uh, fair election for the first time in the history of the Republic. But as Sarah earlier said, there's also so many things that have not yet been achieved in this reformation era. And I would like to uh, our speaker to, to, to concentrate on, on, on those areas they believe uh, uh, hasn't been achieved uh, throughout these years. Silakan, Sarah. I think, um, terima kasih Pak Haidar for that, um, for that memories of how the process of fighting for democracy in Indonesia was uh, very hard and people bled for that democracy. And um, it's great to be nostalgic about it and I found it sometimes, um, it's to me as a an individual to me as a as a person who still wants to fight um, I'm very cynical right now and and I understood now um, I, I understand now and 
how naive it was for us to believe that we are bringing total reform and total change in Indonesia. Whereas, um, as I said yesterday, for instance, yesterday is uh, Thursday, uh, it is the 559 days of Ibu Sumarsi, the mother of Wawan, the, the, the person I told you about, one of the students, one of the medics uh, uh, during the, the Samangi uh, incident uh, happened. Um, there's still no um, um, justice delivered to them. So uh, it still pains me to think that there are still, uh, um, there are still agendas that need to be uh, followed through. Um, and I remember the morning of the Suharto's uh, resignation or abdication. I remember after that, it was the, the, the life of the House representatives because it, it was delivered live like a few days later. I see uh, how politicians from uh, the three parties during that we only have, we, we had three parties only, um, they were debating lively, talking about what's for the people, what are we going to do for the people, and it was broadcast, uh, broadcasted live. And I remember that uh, if I compare that picture now, of that uh, 20 years ago, but now uh, we've given, um, we've given power to the House of Representatives, great power to the House of Representatives, to our representatives to do, uh, to voice our, our concern. But um, of course, uh, that's not the problem. We see how politicians now, they're, they're not uh, wholeheartedly um, representing the people, but they are still, well, the party should be representing the people, but that's not the problem here in Indonesia because politicians, they go to places, they go to their constituents only nearing the election time, uh, election season. So that, uh, that, that commitment of the individuals that we've given power to them to represent us, uh, it's not working. It's, it's, it's not working because several, several factors. Of course, the corruption and collusion is still a huge part in Indonesia, and we're combating that every day. So in that part, um, we are still lacking. And we need to remind uh, our politician about the great power that we've given to them for the past 20 years, and people bled for that. Uh, uh, fighting for that democracy. That's number one. Number two, of course, now we are seeing some of my friends who were, uh, who were uh, leaders of the student mo movement uh, now beginning to play as a political elite. And they, are, uh, they have also uh, uh, enormous amount of power to persuade the current government to do reform. Uh, to reform some of the things that uh, are grossly uh, 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 broken. So, but I, I'm seeing a very poor turning of event now because those leaders are actually uh, be becoming the political elite and joining the people uh, or the individual that were doing those atrocities. So it's um, it's a um, it's, it's still very hard to, it's very hard to uh, comprehend. But um, um, these are some of my criticism to 
our uh, generation, to those people who marched the street, who did the rallies, to, uh, to come back to that one night, to that fateful night, and to those days that we fight for, uh, uh, days we fight for democracy. And yeah, th those are two immediate uh, notes that, that always, uh, uh, that always uh, show up in my mind. Yeah, true, Saras. Uh, I think one of the most ironic <laughs> changes after the uh, fall of the, the new order is that uh, Indonesia entered a period of, of, of political liberation, sort of. Everybody could build, uh, establish a political party, even the members of the old guard. And if you look at the current political landscape, this, this uh, party, which hold the values of the new orders are gaining uh, bigger, larger ground in, in our political landscape. Now I would like to, to, to open the Q&A uh, from the audience. Please uh, keep your question brief and clear. The gentleman with the white shirts and uh, the lady behind and the third one is Ibu in front. So three questions, three questions. I'm sorry, we only have uh, time for three questions. You, you, you still will be able to approach Pak Haidar and Saras after the, the, the panels. Silakan. Hello, my name is Jonathan from Surabaya. Uh, <laughs> not a crazy rich Surabayan, but I'm... You don't have to explain yourself as a, a crazy rich Surabayan. I'm not a crazy rich Surabayan, okay. Uh, you know, it's like... I believe that everything in this world is based on supply and demand. And uh, I, the, the, the question is like, what our uh, audience and our people demands from the media and from the politician, that's why uh, that's, uh, our media keep, keep, uh, uh, keep uh, covering the politician that, that say something ridiculous and stupid and you know, it's like, like, like Pak Haidar said about uh, mannequin mechanism things, yeah. That's my question. Thank you. Thank you. Mbak yang berjebab di belakang, silakan. Thank you. My name is Kuratul Ayun. I'm from Yogyakarta. This question is for Bapak Haider Bagir. Uh, as an author who focus on mysticism and Sufism, do you think that there is relationship between Sufism, mysticism, and, uh, and tolerance? I mean, if someone learn, uh, learn about Sufism and mysticism, uh, can he be more tolerant? Thank you. Ibu, silakan. Tolong mikrofonnya untuk ibu yang di depan. Irene Ritchie from Australia. Um, also, my question is directed to you. Um, what kind of reactions have you got across Indonesia from Muslims from your statements that non-Muslims are not infidels and that um, non-Muslims will have the same rights in the afterlife? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, jadi, uh, uh, Saras will answer the question about the media and Pak Haidar will answer the question on mysticism and tolerance and, and our equal right to heaven. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. Hi. Um, okay. Uh, let me uh, approach that question with uh, how uh, the media and how freedom of press, for instance, is not... Um, responsible and uh, responsible 
uh, journalism, of course, it entails with the freedom of press that we fought for uh, 20 years ago. But um, apart from the, the media giving because they're that the need of the need of profit or the need of hits in um, digital reportation, for for instance, the need uh, to reach that hits. Uh, of course, like you said, it relates to who gets the news fast, uh, 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 the fastest, who gets the uh, the the recognition for that news, and of. Um, we are very startled with how the digital era is coming into Indonesia, but we can actually view it in, two, in both sides. The, the, a more, of course, uh, negative side, how uh, uh, hoax news are uh, easy to uh, spread around in Indonesia, but we are trying to filter it and we are trying to, uh, of course, the positive side, as we know some of the problem, human rights cases, what's happening in Papua, for instance, what's happening, the massacre of 1965, those narratives uh, and conversations, uh, we are able to do that because of the how technology, because we are uh, instrumentalizing that kind of technology, free, uh, not boundless kind of technology. So there's that positive side, whereas I view uh, the kind of media is a very positive, uh, uh, a new sphere of democracy. But the negative part, I think we can overcome. And Indonesian, the, the main problem is, I think in Indonesia, we, we have that, um, we are, we have that uh, tradition of patrons and what Pramudian and Tatur said about how in the, uh, uh, the, the Earth of Man, the Bubumi Manusia, about feudal, how we are, always live in patrons and groups. Uh, what really lacking in Indonesia right now are individuals. We are not exercising the, the maximum capacity of public reasoning that we can digest uh, um, uh, news that are, news that are uh, true and which, which one is not. So I think uh, we have to be very careful not to always uh, limits ourselves uh, and not to always and we see now how a lot of regulations uh, entails with that uh, specific situation of hoax but I think uh, instead of instead of um, always making this um, per perceiving the public as juvenile as uh, children I think Indonesians should kind of push a, a, a more uh, engage individual individuals, not only uh, uh, um, uh, individual in a group. They're always uh, we, the context of people in Indonesia is always their partisan. What I'm trying to, what we are trying to push is how individuals can engage in political uh, 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 in political situation. So the media is, of course, they're doing uh, they're doing what they're supposed to do, and of course we can criticize our media, and they are. Uh, good, reputable medias, but we can't help about what democracy has uh, uh, brought us, uh, but we, are, we can be prepared for that. That's my question. Thank you. Thank you. I know I have to be very short in responding to the two questions. First, um, does Sufism or Islamic mysticism uh, uh, allows more room to tolerance? Yes, actually, uh, Sufism is called a, a 
a religion of love. They were like, a religion of love. I mean, Sufism uh, starts and ends in love. Yeah? Um, and there is always this uh, classifications of religions into two. Yeah? The phenomenologies of religions would divide religion into two orientations. One is the so-called law-oriented religion or nomos-oriented religion. And the other one is love-oriented religion or eros-oriented religion. Islam has been seen in most of its history as a law-oriented religion. Sufism is actually the manifestation, direct manifestation of the understanding of Islam as a love-oriented religion. And you know that law excludes, love embraces. Yeah? Sufism embraces everybody. Whether he is a Muslim or non-Muslim, whether he is a believer or inf infidels, whether he is good or bad, everyone is embraced within Islamic Sufism. So that's why I am very enthusiastic in reintroducing Islamic mysticism as hopefully a panacea for this problem of the emerging and the keep uh, strengthening uh, Islamism in Indonesia. Second question. Um, the response to my uh, opinion about the salvation of non-Muslims and that non-Muslims are not uh, actually infidels and that uh, the category of infidels could be applied to even Muslims. Muslim can be infidels and a non-Muslim can be a believer even from the point of view of Islam and surprisingly this idea has been accepted widely. I'm a, a publisher of uh, Islamic books, and my books has been the bestseller of the publishing house now with regards to Islamic books. It has been more than a year since the book has, has been uh, published, launched, and until now you can still find my books in Gramedia. Usually uh, only bestseller book will be there in Gramedia more than three months. And you can still find that. Not that I'm actually being proud of my book, I'm just trying to respond to your question that I'm always uh, convinced that majority of Indonesians are moderates. The problem is that, first of all, the moderate usually would take uh, a natural stance. I mean, I'm okay, I'm well off, so why uh, wasting my time in uh, dealing with those crazy people? This is not a good attitude actually. We are trying now to uh, move the moderate Muslims of Indonesia, which is the uh, overwhelming majority, I'm sure about that, to really take a stance against this kind of radicalism in Indonesia. And it is for sure, I mean, there are uh, efforts to, to uh, discredit and persecute me. For instance, the, I w was doing uh, touring for my books in 24 campuses in Indonesia and the first discussion was in Solo and I was threatened to be you know what killed and everything until the police of uh, Central Java deployed not less than 1,200 policemen to protect the uh, EIN in Solo for the discussion. So there are always uh, this kind of uh, craziness but I said at the time, I'm not a brave man, but I said, uh, actually being brave is not, is not that you don't have fear. Being brave is an 
an awareness that there are something more important than just uh, fulfilling your fear. Yeah, so I'm not a brave person, but I did the touring of the books. Until now, the acceptance is uh, very surpri sur sur surprisingly very good. Some people will say, what kind of Islam that you are bringing, telling us that non-Muslims are not infidels? I said, this is the true Islam. Because it is a very new phenomenon that Muslims would say that non-Muslims are infidels. If we go to the oldest uh, Muslim scholars in the history of Islamic thinking, you will find that they will say they would not dare to say that non-Muslims would uh, automatically uh, can be labeled as infidels. I'm, I'm wondering if, if this notion, this concept of, of heavens being deleted from all the scriptures, from all the religion, would we still be professed to any religion at all? Probably without this incentive, none of us will, 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 will proclaim that we are a religious person. Ladies and gentlemen, the fact that, that, that this morning we could gather here discussing about religions, questioning even the, the tenets of religions, discussing about politics, social relations, interracial relations in Indonesia, is uh, a proof in itself that the Reformation era has produced many good things. But we should also remind it, always remind ourselves that there are so many works that need to be done. I think Saras has reminded us justice needs to, to, to be delivered, especially to the 19, the family of 19 peoples uh, being killed during the two Semanggi incidents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. I, I, uh, can I just add just one thing? When you said earlier, opening this discussion, you said we were successful in, uh, uh, we created the demise. And I, I disagree about that with if we, if we are seeing now how emerging or new parties, um, we, under, we, we know that who behind, who, uh, who are they? And I think they're not, Entire, we didn't annihilate them. They're transforming into new form of powers that we should we should be cautious about. Very true, and that's one of the work, the most important work that left undone. Especially since Pak Haidar also said earlier that this member of the old guard form a new party and then affiliating themselves with the rising Islamists. So uh, please pray for our nation. Uh, because next year's will be a very divisive moment. <laughs> well, they could also pay, but <laughs> next year's uh, friends will be a very divisive time, and it will prove whether these new powers will prevail over the emerging of the old guard. That's conclude our panels. Please a round of applause for our two speakers. Thank you. Have a good day.